Well, we're going to be moving around the scriptures today, so get ready to turn. (laughs) The name of the message is Full Assurance of Salvation. Full Assurance of Salvation. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 32 and put your finger in Hosea chapter 2 verse 18. We'll look at how assurance for the believer is brought forth in the Old Testament here. And then we'll look at how assurance for the believer is brought forth in the New Testament. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 17. The scriptures declare this. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Now, the Hebrew word there in verse 17 means security. It primarily means security or calm assurance. And it can also mean assurance or confidence as to those who dwell safely in the Lord. All according to his almighty protection. And that's where we we are protected by the Lord, his people. It also means to lie down safely in security or to walk securely or assuredly. Again, this is not by anything in ourselves. This confidence does not come from us, right? Because we know our weakness and our confidence is who? Our confidence is Christ, right? And what he's done for us as the great substitute. Now turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 2, verse 18. Or Hosea, I mean Hosea chapter 2, verse 18. We see this truth brought forth in Hosea chapter 2, verse 18. And take note as we read this verse, who the safety and who the assurance comes from. Who does it come from? Hosea chapter 2, verse 18. And in that day, this is the Lord speaking, will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of the heaven and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword of the battle and will make them to lie down safely. Who's doing all the work there? God is. Amen, sister. God's doing it all. He's saying, I'm going to do this for my people. Well, see that word safely there? That's the same Hebrew word that was translated assurance in Isaiah 32, 17. It means security. I'll make them lie down secure. Secure in him. Now let's turn to the New Testament. Let's turn to the New Testament. And we'll see that the believer in Christ has this security, this full assurance of salvation in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 6 first. Hebrews chapter 6. So we have this same security spoken of in Isaiah. We have this security as believers in Christ. And what comfort this can bring us as we go through these trials of life. Hebrews chapter 6, Paul is writing these words to those who are going through various afflictions. 
And I ask you who are tried and tested and tempted each day, would it bring you comfort to know from the Scriptures that the believer has in Christ full assurance of our salvation? Would that be a comfort to you? It would be, wouldn't it? Well, look what Paul writes here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 10 to 12. For God is not unrighteousness to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed towards his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye may not be slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now look at verse 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. So Paul's bringing forth that he desires that everyone who he's writing to would show the same diligence in their exercise of their faith and love, which means ministering to one another. Ministering to one another, faithfully forgiving, showing mercy, and trusting the Redeemer. Not only that you may keep up a hope of eternal life by keeping our eyes on Christ, right? But that you should grow to a full and confident assurance of that hope until the Lord calls you home. Now turn a couple chapters over to Hebrews chapter 10. Now see that, that word full assurance in verse 11? That's one word in the Greek language. Now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look at verses 19 to 25. <coughs> Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us. Through the veil, that is to say his flesh. This is speaking of what Christ has done for us. And heaven and high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. That's one word in the Greek. Full assurance of what? Of faith. And who's the object of our faith? Christ is, right? He's the object of our faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. God's faithful. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So, see that word there, full assurance again? Those two words, in full assurance in our text in verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10. Again, it's one word in the Greek, and it means this, full assurance. <laughs> it means full assurance. It means this too, most certain confidence. Most certain confidence. See, we have no confidence in ourselves, do we? But we have a most certain confidence in our Savior, don't we? Oh, we do. Oh, yeah. He, he alone is my rock. He alone is my redeemer. He alone is my savior. And I know it's so for you who believe too. Now let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 1 and we'll read verse 5. And then put your finger in Colossians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And or 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I'm sorry. 
verses 5 and 6. The scripture declares, For our gospel came not unto you in word only. So when the, when the Apostle Paul was preaching the gospel, it didn't come to the Thessalonians in word only. They didn't just hear the words of Paul. Because if all they heard was the words of Paul, it wouldn't have profited them nothing, right? Brother Henry used to say it all the time. He says, if my words are the only words you hear, you're not going to profit at all from it. And our prayer is that the Holy Spirit would take those words and use them for his glory and for the good of God's people. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but in power. And that's the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, same Greek word there, certain confidence, full assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now these, these Thessalonian believers, they were going through it. They were getting persecuted by their own countrymen. See, they were Gentiles, and they were idol worshipers at one time. And they turned from worshiping idols to serve the true and living God, Paul continues to write down in the first chapter of, um, of 1 Thessalonians. They turned from that, and they were being persecuted. They were going through it, beloved. They were going through it. And he writes them this letter to encourage them. So the same Greek word is used there for assurance in verse 5. Strong's defines this word as entire confidence. Entire confidence. I like that. Our entire confidence is in Christ. Every believer's entire confidence is in him. Right? Full assurance again, they say too. Now one last place to look to is Colossians chapter 2. And again, it is the same Greek word which we've been looking at. We see it here once again translated full assurance. Colossians chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. Oh, Paul's writing again to the Colossian believers who are um, having Gnostics come in and tell them that there's various mediators between God and, and, uh, and man. And he brings forth in this book the supremacy of Christ. The absolute supremacy of Christ. And he writes them here in Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. He says this, For I would that you would know what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted. See, God's people are, God's preachers are commanded to comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Well, well we can't do that in ourselves, but, but the only way we can do that is by preaching the gospel, right? And the Holy Spirit takes those words and comforts you. I was greatly comforted putting this message together. Greatly comforted. Oh my, it's wonderful. It just solidified even more that my entire confidence is in Christ and Him alone. And I hope it does the same for you. I hope it does the same for you. Look at this. For I would that you know what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. See, again, we have the same Father, same Spirit, right? Same Redeemer, and our hearts are knit together in love. My, it's, it's incredible. And unto all riches of the what? Full assurance. That's certain assurance. That's full assurance again of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom, being Christ, are hid all the treasures 
of wisdom and knowledge. Now, people put a lot of stock back then in the Greek philosophers and all that. They were all these wise men. All the wisdom and knowledge is in Christ. The treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's called wisdom in the Proverbs, isn't he? Oh, my. Now, I ask you, how can we have a full assurance of salvation? Spurgeon used to say the only people who doubt their salvation is those who are born again. It's true. So how can we have a full assurance of salvation? Beloved of God, assurance of personal salvation comes only through trusting and resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting the Lord Jesus Christ who died on Calvary's cross. That through his death in the shedding of his precious, precious blood, he alone is the only way of salvation. The only way. The only way to God the Father. And that's in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 35. There's only one way. There's only one way. Christ himself said what? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. That's what he said. Well, look at this in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 8. And notice this isn't, this isn't called many ways. Look at this. Isaiah 35, verses 8 to 10. And an highway shall be there, and a way, singular. A highway and a way. Now remember, there was roads to the cities of refuge, right? There was one road that the, those, those uh, priests kept clean, didn't it? To that city of refuge. They took the rocks out of the way so there'd be no obstacles, right? Here. And an highway shall be there and a way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. Who are we holy in? Christ. Amen, sister. Christ. The way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, no ravenous beast shall go there, shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there. Oh, my beloved. We walk in Christ, don't we? Every day we walk by faith in Christ. Every day. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion. We're going to go home to be in glory with the Lord one day. In everlasting joy upon their heads. And they shall... Obtain joy and gladness, and Saul and Sion shall flee away. Oh, what joy. Now, this is what God's Word says. And by God-given faith, we believe that, right? We believe that. We believe what the Word of God says by God-given faith. We know that God cannot lie. He can't lie. God cannot lie. And we know Christ didn't die in vain. We know that he finished the salvation 
for all who trust in him. We know that. And we know that all who come to him are those he died for. There won't be one missing. And we believe what the word of God says. We believe, don't we, as, as born-again, blood-washed believers, we believe what the Lord Jesus Christ said when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We believe that by God-given faith. We take God at his word, don't we? And we believe that his death is the finished salvation of all, uh, uh, for all his people. We believe the word of God. Again, when it says there's no other way to the Father but through Christ, we believe that. God cannot lie. And he has said that eternal life is only in his Son. And we believe that. There may be a time when we didn't believe that, and there was a time when we didn't believe that, but now we believe it, don't we? By God's grace and mercy, we believe it. And we hold, we hold to that truth, don't we? Do you know the only sure ground of our assurance of our salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the only sure ground. The only sure ground of the assurance of our salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's turn to John 1 John chapter 5. <clears throat> and we read these words. When we read these words of God, let them warm your heart. Let them warm your heart. Let them warm your heart that God has given you an understanding of these words. Because there was a time when we did not have an understanding of these words. As you read these, beloved of God, let it warm your heart again. And these are words written by the Apostle John. And they speak of the very fact that Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the only sure ground of our salvation. The only sure assurance for the believer in Christ. 1 John chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record. That God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Look at these words again in verse 12. The only sure ground of salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. We see it very, very clearly put before us, don't we, in the Scriptures. Do you believe these words? Do you believe these words? Rejoice if you do. Because they proclaim the assurance of your salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. It also says if you do not believe these words, 
If you do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not have eternal life, no matter how sincere you are in what you might believe. If you are not trusting Christ, you do not have eternal life. You see, for the believer in Christ, we found a ransom, haven't we? We found a ransom for our souls. Job wrote about that. And that ransom for our souls is Christ, beloved. It's Christ. By God's grace and by God's mercy, we found the sure way of salvation. (laughs) And we weren't even looking for it when we found it. (laughs) He found us, didn't he? He found us, beloved. Oh, my. So what are we to do then? Oh, beloved, we're to rest. We're to rest in Christ. There's nothing more that needs to be done to to make our salvation any more secure. Right? If we're secure in Christ, there's nothing more that will make us any more secure. Nothing we do. Nothing we say. Isn't that amazing? We are absolutely secure in Christ. And we have God's own word to rest on. We have God's own word right here to rest on. Because God said it, right? He said this, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Well, by God's grace and mercy, we who are the people of God have the Son, don't we? But then we have life. Eternal life. All by the grace and mercy of God. And we have God's word to rest on. We have God's word just to rest on. God's own salvation provided for you and I who believe. Provided for us. By God. Therefore, let we who are the people of God be content in Christ. Let us cease from any of our labors and let us wholly rest upon Christ and him alone. Because he is the full assurance of our salvation. He is our full confidence of our salvation. One may say, am I not to be better? No, not before salvation. But after salvation, you'll both be better and worse in your own conscience. You're sure to be worse because you're you're learn more clearly your sinfulness. Right? We know now more clearly as believers our sinfulness, don't we? And we know how far short we come of all spiritual goodness, any spiritual goodness. And we know how much greater is the power of indwelling sin. And how much deeper is the corrupt principle of our natural hearts than we could ever have imagined possible. And all our discovered sinfulness does not, however, alter the fact that we are secure in Christ. Does not alter the fact of that. Even though we see ourselves as more sinners now, worse sinners now, And when the Lord saved us, it does not alter the fact 
that our salvation is absolutely secure and certain in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Now that's good news, isn't it? That's good news for sinners. Good news for sinners. But you will be better in your conscience in the fact that now, now you have an appetite for the things of Christ. You don't want to just go out and go crazy now in sin because we have this freedom in Christ. Now, now that you're born again, you have an appetite for the things of Christ that you didn't have before. You hunger and thirst after Christ and after the preaching of the gospel. You want to hear more about Christ. You want to think about him more. And as you grow in grace and as you grow in the assurance of our salvation in Christ, you want to rejoice in him more. You want to praise him more. And you want to please him more in your daily walk. You will. You're going to find out you sin more than you want to. Because you're going to find out your desire is that you don't want to sin anymore. One day that will happen when we breathe our last breath here. Oh my. And you'll also find that sin, however the battle within does not have the mastery over you that it once had. Because of your relationship to Christ, who gives you strength against it. If you find yourself being tempted or going through a trial, just say, Lord, help me. Give me grace and strength. Because I can't overcome this on my own. Just pray for the Lord, give you grace and strength. We now have a battle within, don't we? We have a battle within now. We have a civil war within now between the new nature and our old flesh. And God gives us strength, though, against our sin because of the new nature within us. Through the Holy Spirit's gracious work. Which gives you an increasing hatred of sin. Not only in yourself, but in in the world even. That's why we pine to go home and be with the Lord. We're just tired of all the sinfulness. In ourselves and in the world. I can't wait to be in glory with the Lord. I've got to wait. But my oh my. Don't shed tears for me when I die. I'm in glory. I know we mourn each other's passing. I know that. I know that. And, and I don't mean that. But, but as far as, as be, you know, it'll be incredible when we enter into glory by God's grace and mercy. It'll be incredible. So all those things we go through, our, our, our sight of our increasing sinfulness, does not in the least make your salvation from wrath to come in any way more perfect. Our salvation from the wrath to come is perfect in Christ. Absolutely perfect.
perfect. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You know, our salvation is perfect to start with. Because it's in Christ. It's perfect to start with. From beginning to end, our salvation in Christ is perfect. Because we're saved by His grace and we're saved by His mercy. Now we're imperfect, aren't we? Because we're sinners. Look what it says here, though, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to, uh, to 10. And we see here clearly that this salvation is perfect to start with. And you know, if it wasn't perfect, it would be of our works. But because it's perfect, it's all of grace. It's all of grace. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, and nine, or 8 to 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, not of works, because it wouldn't be perfect anymore. Right? Because we're sinful beings. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're his workmanship, beloved. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So let us consider then what the scriptures say about God's salvation and how it is a full salvation. And how we can have full assurance that when we trust in Christ alone, that we have a full salvation in him. And may God give us grace to look to him in all situations. In all situations. Now these statements are going to come from the word of God. These statements of the full assurance of our salvation comes from the word of God in it alone. Because that is where we look to, right? Okay. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. In these statements of the gospel of God's grace concerning all sinners who truly trust in Christ Jesus for salvation alone. These are true statements. The gospel of God's grace proclaims that sinners who trust in Christ are already justified by his blood. Already. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. But God commandeth his love toward us. That's his everlasting, eternal love. That toward us. In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified, right now. You're justified right now as a believer. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So we see there that the word of God proclaims that sinners who trust in Christ are already justified by his blood. They're justified by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a statement of fact. It's not up for debate. And it's not based upon us, is it? 
And this is true of every born-again, blood-washed people. God's blood-washed people. We are right now justified. Right now. By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn now, if you would, to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Here is another statement of fact from the gospel of God's grace in Christ. And this one is just, will make your heart sing. Think of our billions of sins we commit in our lifetime. Sins of thought, sins spoken, sins in deed, sins of affection. Look at this marvelous statement. This is a fact, again, from the gospel of God's grace in Christ. The scriptures proclaim that sinners who trust in Christ are already justified from all things and that their salvation is already accomplished by Christ's death in our place. Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39. Look at this. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Every time the gospel is preached, Christ is set forth. Every time the gospel is preached, Christ is set forth. Through this man, through Christ, is preached the forgiveness of sins. And look at this. And by him, that's Christ, all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Look at that. Look at that, beloved. Verse 39 says that the believer is justified in Christ from all things. Praise be to God. I'm justified in Christ from all my sins. <laughs> Just as if I never sinned. And that's true for you if you're a believer. That's what the scriptures declare, isn't it? Justified from all things. There's nothing that the Lord's going to go, well, I forgot about this thing right here. Nothing like that. You know how somebody, somebody does something to us or wrongs us, we can remember it for years, can't we? We're not supposed to. Right? He didn't remember no more. All our sins are gone, beloved. Washed in the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Oh. So, this brings forth the, the truth, too, that we could never be justified by our works because look what it says in, in the latter part of verse 39. I'll read the whole verse. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. That's saying right there, you could never be justified by your works. I could never be justified by my works. That's so clear, isn't it? That's what it says. But it says, rejoice, beloved God, because it says, and by him all that believe are justified from all things. All things. What a, what a message of salvation in Christ. What good news for sinners. Now turn, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. You know, we have Redemption. Through Christ's blood and the forgiveness of sins, all according to the riches of God's grace. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. And remember, too, this is a statement of fact. 
in our natural state, we are unfit for heaven, aren't we? We are absolutely unfit for heaven in our natural state. But look what the gospel of God's grace proclaims here in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. Given thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet. That means qualified right there. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. You notice this is all past tense. Isn't it wonderful? It's all accomplished. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's when we're born again. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That's a statement of fact. We are made qualified for heaven, made fit for heaven by Christ. We have redemption through his precious blood and the forgiveness of all our sins by the shedding of his precious blood. And we are delivered from the power of darkness and we are translated, born again into the kingdom of his dear son. And it's God who's done it all. He's done it all. And as a result of this wondrous salvation, the scripture declares, and again, this is fact. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. This fact here is a result of the gospel of God's grace. This fact is proclaimed, and this is the truth proclaimed. And let this comfort your hearts, beloved. Let this just comfort your hearts. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. The statement of fact is that sinners who trust in Christ are no longer under condemnation from God's law and justice. This is a statement of fact. There is therefore now no condemnation. In the Greek, it's judgment. There is therefore now no judgment to them which are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's a statement of fact, beloved. No judgment for those in Christ Jesus. Again, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. My, oh my. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 1. I told you we're going to be turned around quite a bit here. Hebrews chapter 1. Oh my. Do you know that before Christ ascended to glory, the sins of his people were already removed and judicially purged by his precious blood? That all occurred at Calvary's cross. That's why the words, it is finished, are so important. Our salvation was complete at Calvary's cross. Remember, the scripture says he was raised for our justification to show that God was satisfied with the sacrifice. But as far as the purchase of our souls, it was finished. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. When did he purge our sins? At Calvary's cross. 
And then when the work was done, he sat down. Now this is a statement of fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has purged the sins of his people. That's a statement of fact. And who did it? He did it. By himself. By himself. By the sacrifice of himself. He made atonement for the sins of his people. He took our sins upon him. They were imputed to him and he bore them all. He bore them all. He died under the penalty of them. The perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He died under the penalty of our sins and he abolished them completely. So completely that God says to his people, I'll remember your sins and iniquities no more. That's God that said that. Oh my. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Turn if you would to Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Again this precious precious truth of Christ having purged us from our sins and washed us from our sins is brought forth again in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. The scriptures declare of the Lord Jesus Christ that he is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's a statement of fact. Christ did that for all his people. And we know when he washed us from our sins in his own blood, we know the scripture says the life of the flesh is in the blood. He gave his life for us. He died in our place, bearing that wrath of God. And we know, too, he gave his life up willingly, didn't he? Scripture says he gave up the ghost. See, he's sinless. He's spotless in his life and in his death, beloved. Death couldn't hold him either, could it? He is raised for our justification. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh my, and as a result of this wondrous salvation wrought in Christ alone, those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ by God-given faith shall never perish. Never perish. Neither shall any of them pluck them out of the Father's hand or out of Christ's hand. Never. So beloved, if you are one of the redeemed of the Lord, you already possess everlasting life. You already have it. You already have full assurance of your salvation. Now we're going to go through a door marked death, aren't we? But that doesn't change our salvation in Christ, does it? No, not at all. We're already safe and secure right now, even amidst all the trials of this world in Christ. And, and that door of death will just be that, a door, won't it? It'll be a door into the presence of our great God and our Savior. Because the minute we, leave, we breathe our last breath here, we'll be in the presence of the Lord. The second we breathe our last breath. And who is the door of the sheepfold? We'll turn, if you would, to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Who's the, who's the door of the sheepfold? What's well, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who said, there's no other way to the Father but by me. John chapter 10, verses 7 to 9. 
He's the only way to glory. He's the only way to the presence of the Father. He says this, and again, again, this is not the words of a mere man. This is the words of the Word of God incarnate. And, and remember, this is a statement of fact. Scriptures are statements of facts. They're not to be debated. They're statements of facts. Then said Jesus unto them, again, verse 7, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastures. Look at that statement by him in verse 9. I am the door. Remember the highway? There's only one highway. I am the door. And that, 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 that way is called the way of holiness, isn't it? And that's in Christ, in Christ alone. He says here, I am the door by me. Singular. If any man enter in, man or woman, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. That's the word of God saying that. Put your name in here as I read this. I'll read it with my name, but you put your name in here if you're a believer. I am the door by me. If Wayne enter in, he shall be saved. Oh my goodness. Shall. It's not maybe. It's not if you let me. They shall be saved. What an assurance of salvation we see here. What an assurance of salvation. We have much to rejoice about, don't we? We have a full salvation in Christ and Him alone. And the scriptures declare that the born-again, blood-washed saint of God who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ right now possesses eternal life. It says this in John chapter 3, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Hath it right now. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. My, oh, my. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 2. And again, we'll look at verses 8 and 10 here. Beloved of God, those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ are already complete in him. Again, this is a statement of fact. We are complete in Christ. What joy this can bring us. The fact that we have a full salvation in Christ. And it's the word of God that assures us that we have that. And God cannot lie. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Beware of man's religions of works. 
Beware of it. It's crafty. You see, just a pinch of works destroys grace, right? Just a pinch of grace destroys grace. They'll tell you there's something you have to do to be saved, and that's a lie. Because salvation's only in and through the Lord Jesus Christ in him alone. And we're going to see here that we're complete in him. Paul continues to write, he writes in the next verse, For in him, that being Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you. He's writing to born-again, blood-washed saints. Remember, this is for our learning, right? And you. Put your name in there. If you're a believer, put your name in there. And you are complete in Christ which is the head of all principality and power. And you know what? We can say that's only by God's grace and mercy. Well, then it gets better, though. It gets better. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. Last place we're going to turn, okay? (laughs) Last place we're going to turn. It gets better. Because all those who are trusting in Christ alone as the only way of salvation are right now fully accepted in the beloved, in Christ, which means we are fully accepted by the one true holy God right now in Christ. Right now. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It's all according to the good pleasure of his will that we're saved. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us, what? Accepted in the Beloved. Right now. Right now. You and I who believe are accepted in Christ. That's a statement of fact. Oh my. What a privilege for we who are the people of God. We now rejoice over this wondrous grace and mercy which has been shown to us in Christ Jesus. We are now God's reconciled children. So let us rejoice in full assurance this week. Let us think upon the things that we've seen today. And let we who are the redeemed of the Lord have, have full assurance of our salvation from the scriptures in Christ that this is a finished, complete work. It's done. And may God give us grace and mercy and comfort us with these truths. God be the glory. Amen and amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your manifold mercy and grace which is bestowed upon we who are your people in Christ. We are so undeserving. We do not merit your grace and mercy and yet you bestow it upon us. Glory to you, O Lord. Honor and praises and blessings to you. O Lord, let us think upon these things which we've looked at today. 
Oh, Lord, help us to rejoice in the midst of our trials and help us to rest in the full assurance of our salvation in and through you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing number 236. Thought it was a fitting hymn for, for after the wonderful message of God's full salvation in Christ that we would sing Amazing Grace. Because God's grace is truly amazing, isn't it? It truly is. Let us stand up and sing number 236.